This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Rivas. And who, sir, looking good with a blue light in the back? Oh, yeah. Getting a little, you know, I got the colored lights. I'm the producer, Matt Duncan. I figure why not put a little bit of a fun glow back there for the kids at home? If you're watching on the old YouTube, uh, Fred, how are you doing here in mid-November? Uh, I am doing good. Uh, I am excited for, uh, yeah, the Raptors to get a bit of a breather. They've been super injured, which we will talk about. Nice. Um, and uh, I'm excited for this episode. I yeah. feel like we should, we should dive right in. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get the guests rolling. Okay. Um, I will say before we get going, uh, free Brittany Griner, and uh, let's bring on guest number one. Uh, he's done this podcast many times. Um, a hilarious comedian. Uh, you probably know him from the CBC Baking Show. Uh, wonderful basketball player. Can still dunk, I believe. Probably has to ice down his knees afterwards. Um, also started a, a fun basketball podcast recently. Uh, called the Extremely Mid-Range Show. I did a, a, a one episode with him. I also did a Quiplash episode, which was just incredible fun with a bunch of you know fun Raptors and basketball names. Um, give it up as loud as you can, even if you're at home alone, for Alan Shane Lewis. I forgot to add the tracks into my mixer. <laughs> oh, I was like, I was like this is a big lead in. Like, oh, wow. What acoustic. Uh, I appreciate hey, that. Please leave us a comment if you want Matt to do that forever. Um, because that was great. Um, that was Thank Alan, you for having uh, me again. Yeah, man. Uh, no problem. Thanks for thanks for joining. Uh, always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, Ple- the pleasure is all mine. Yeah, pleasure. <laughs> who, who wants to say the full word? You know, it's just uh, pledge now. Avec I, pledge, you know. Avec pledge. I pledge my allegiance. Okay. <laughs> um, let's bring on guest number two. Uh, it's his second time on the podcast. I'm absolutely jacked for what Matt's going to do for the leading here. <laughs> Um, yeah, he is a, a major force on uh, Raptors Twitter, uh, hardcore Raptors fan. Uh, you probably know his Coloco tracker, his Scotty Barnes tracker. I love it. Um, he's worked for The Score, Raptors HQ, Bleachers Report, Bleachers Report, Bleacher Report. Um, and yeah, we're super pumped to have him back. Give it up as loud as you can, even if you're at home alone, for Chris Walder. This is he did a dope intro like that. (laughs) This is who we are now. It's Matt just scatting. This has never happened. Um, It's the best day of my life. Uh, Chris, uh, how are you? Thanks for joining again, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm bringing the lemon pledge here today. Uh, is that a word? I guess we're just running with pledge now. Yeah, I, I couldn't come with up pledge. with any other yeah. pledge words here. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm bringing to the table here. But uh, no, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm uh, pumped to have you back. Uh, I'm, I, all I can think about is what is Matt going to do next? I don't know. If he has, I don't know if he has uh, the classic Raptor sting, or he's just going to like impersonate Weird Al. This should be exciting. Uh, let's dive right into it, Maddie. Give me your best weirdest Raptors sting. Hey, Bobby Webster. Okay. I love how it's it's not less weird. Uh, <laughs> 
Ready? Go. Ready? Don't forget. Trust in Messiah. Great. Shout out to Daniel Radcliffe doing all these fun, <laughs> weird out voices for us. Um, Chris, let's start with you. Uh, obviously, you know uh, this is this is something that that no fan wants. You know, uh, like this this idea that you know we we are a team that is uh, severely injured or sick or both. I think we're probably one of the most injured teams in the NBA so far, um, if not the most injured team. Um, thankfully, uh, you know, no season-ending injuries or anything like that, but you know, um, some substantial ones. Uh, but you know, I, I want to kind of that's that's hard to talk about because that's just sort of a fact of basketball, and um, you can't fully control it. Uh, and of course, we've talked about who's filling in the gaps before already on the pod here. But yeah, you know, um, from you know, with that aside, what are you seeing uh, so far this season that you would say, you know, besides injuries, is worrying you the most? Let me just, let me just preface this by saying that when I saw that Scotty Barnes news come out today with like his sprained knee, I think my heart sank. Yes. I was like, this team cannot afford to lose, even for like a single game. No. Like I feel like it's just like piling on top of each other, all of We're these so like, lingering issues, and like the the illness too. It, looked, it sounds like like there was like the flu or something was yeah. going through the roster. Um, but excluding that, which you know, easier said than done, because that's like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, storyline this season. It is the Toronto yeah. Raptors. Um, I was highly optimistic about the second unit heading into this season. I thought our depth was really strong. I was expecting kind of some of these big come ups from Delano Banton, Malachi mm-hmm. Flynn. Obviously, the reemergence of, of Precious Achua, for example. But the second unit still kind of continues to be a, a lingering problem. I yeah. looked at the stats. I think they're 23rd in the league right now in points per game, which is actually higher than I thought they would rank at this point. And the reason I'm concerned with that is because Nick Nurse has this kind of short leash for a lot of his guys, specifically yeah. like the Bantons and the Flins of the world. Obviously, yes. this recent stretch is kind of an anomaly because everyone's been hurt and you have to play these guys like 25, 30 minutes a night. And, you know, Banton had a strong showing against Detroit. Malachi Flynn has had some really good offensive outs- outbursts off the bench. But at the same time, when this roster is healthy, how much of that momentum is going to carry over? And I say that strongly because we look at a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who's still second in the NBA in minutes per game, and Pascal Siakam would be right there with him. He's obviously missed some time, so he's currently not ranking in that category. I feel like the longer we go into the season, once this roster does slowly but surely start to get healthy, is Nick Nurse going to be trusting more of those second-unit guys? Because they have been inconsistent. I think we can all kind of admit that, you know, Banton will have like one great game and then all of a sudden he's, you know, two for 10 from the field and he's a complete ghost. I want to see more consistency from those guys just for the sake of the starters. Cause obviously we're seeing Scotty Barnes be thrust into more of a role. He's bringing the ball up the floor. He's almost being mm-hmm. like the de facto point guard with Van Vliet at the two. Can you afford to play the starters 35, 36, 37 minutes a night? Because when you start getting into the playoffs, because the Raptors don't want to be in like that kind of play in, conversation especially this year where like the draft is you know as top heavy as it is there's going to be some later picks with a lot of promise you don't want to kind of be in that conversation they obviously have higher aspirations in the playoffs but when you get into that first round and hopefully second and beyond how much tread is going to be on the legs of a Siakam and a Van Vliet because Nick Nurse doesn't have the, the amount of faith that he probably should in a Banton in a Flynn so on and so forth so hopefully the second unit can kind of pick up and I do have hope that this recent stretch where they have been accumulating more minutes will lead to, you know, bearing more fruit down the road in the season. Yeah. Great points. You know, I, first of all, you know, I've said at nauseum on this podcast, uh, you know, versions of what you're saying there. I, I really, I can't agree with you more on, on, on nurse and uh, you know, what exactly is required as far as trust. Um, again, you know, there's always, always got to throw the caveat with Nick nurse that he's a brilliant, uh, basketball mind. I'm just, a, a you know, a dude that runs a podcast, but, um, yeah. How do players earn trust? You know, even today we saw Gary, uh, Trent Jr. Get called out pretty hard. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, he, he's been sick. He had a, he has a hip issue. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, yeah, many players get called out in, in the past. I think, Perhaps guys like Fred, Pascal, um, OG, and Scotty. I can't really think of times that they've been called out, but, uh, you know, publicly. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you as far as bench consistency. Obviously, guys have had big showings. Um, I'll, I'll put my hand up and say that I kept saying, you know, as soon as the last season ended, and you know, especially after we acquired Otto, um, I've said a bunch of times this team was giving me major bench mob vibes. And uh, not in the sense where I thought we were going to win 59 games, but I had this team winning 53, 54 games, uh, finishing third in the East, um, you know, holding back on what I think they're going to do in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, I think the bench um, consistency is massive because it's sort of a chicken and egg with nurse, right? It's kind of like, you know, are, are you going to, are you going to trust these guys before they fully prove it or, if they are consistent enough, um, then will you trust them? Like what, what builds confidence and what builds chemistry uh, when it comes to second union? And, and I think also uh, to your point about the, the end of the season, uh, sure. A lot of things happened, but uh, we were broken down when we played Philly. And uh, I think a lot of fans, myself included, were pretty optimistic going into that series. And we didn't quite realize just how beat up our team was. Um, and obviously we got unlucky with Trent being sick and, you know, Scotty rolling his ankle, et cetera. And bead injuring like three of our guys in the first game. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's a major, major point with the bench. Let's um, let's jump to you, Alan. What, yeah. Other than injuries is your big concern right now. I think Chris really nailed uh, the, the 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 nail on the head with uh, with all his points there. I, but it's kind of hard to kind of extract the problems with the Raptors without talking about injuries. I feel like mm-hmm. injuries is like the crux and nexus point of all the issues, whether yeah. it's uh, consistency with uh, the bench, with uh, the the growth of our second star player and Scotty Barnes, and seeing like how his development comes on, getting more touches, his usage his usage rate, all that all that changes. Uh, it's hard to say anything else because that's really what it is. Keeping a healthy roster on this court at all or on the court at all times. And I truly do like what Nick nurse has kind of built this kind of next man up rotation kind of thing. But when like four or five key players are missing, it kind of changed the, the dynamic of a lot of different things and seeing uh, uh, Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn, you know, you know, to Chris's point, have a short leash. They kind of lose confidence in themselves. Either the times where they need to be like out there and being not afraid to make these mistakes and get those kind of reps and get those type of rhythms. Because mm-hmm. I've I've played basketball on teams where the coach is like very kind of stern. I'm like, I always feel like they're watching me. And if I mess yeah. up right now, this is it. And every type of like that does kind of breed different things because some players are kind of mold well to that. A lot of the shooters are like, I can't miss a shot because if I miss a shot, I'm off the court. But right. when you're a, a ball handler who is uh, who can have turnovers, I think that kind of messes up your kind of your rhythm of how you want to play the game because you're not going to be as aggressive as you want to. You're going to be a little bit uh, subsided and give away different plays and not give full intensity in a lot of different moments. So yeah, it's hard to say what the problem is because it, it really is the sneaky boogeyman of injuries and hopefully they can kind of get it together and fix it up and figure it out because, you know, games like that Atlanta Hawks game are, are they're, they're, they're going to catch up to us. A lot of those type of things where just one thing went wrong or a couple different things went wrong the fourth quarter and how to finish off a game, that's going to catch up later in the season because, yeah, you don't want to be in that purgatory zone of being sort of good, sort of bad, and you don't get a draft pick and you don't get to actually have any extra basketball when it comes to May-June. So, yeah, just inconsistencies with injuries and how they bounce back. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping Fred kind of figures it out too. And I don't want to see a whole bunch of mileage in all these guys' legs and knees out there. Like, I really wish we can drop down these players to about 30 minutes a game, 29, and have everyone else get about 13, 15 out there too. So just kind of spread the load. Yeah, I, I think spreading the load is something we're all kind of, uh, you know, we've been talking about for, for kind of years now. But I think this team... Um, and I don't want to speak for both of you, but it sort of g- it gave a lot of people um, confidence that, you know, we have the talent, we have the veterans, um, we have we have guys who can, you know, who nurse can feel comfortable with. Like, you know, I didn't put this on um, on the docket, but let me just ask you both, like, you know, just looking at Flynn's numbers as we were talking, he's 14 for 29 from three. Um Obviously, he's a smaller guy. Like, he's not going to be able to do uh, the things that uh, Delano uh, does on defense. But what more can, you know, he's almost 50% from three. Like, what more can he do uh, to 
prove to a guy like Nurse that he deserves some regular rotation, like even if it's like five minutes a half. Um, like this guy is like on a team that, you know, I think needs spacing. Um, he's knocking down shots. And, and I think that's sorely needed on, on this squad. Um, yeah, let me go to you first, Chris. Like this is just a quick kind of like throw in question here. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, it kind of goes to the heart of what we've been talking about and trust. I think the drop off is so high when you you take Van Vliet from the court and you replace him with a Malachi Flynn. And I'm with yeah. you on the fact that Flynn has been lining it up as of late. But when Van Vliet is back and then you do put Flynn out there for like the two, three minute stretches, we have seen those spans where the Raptors will, will blow leads. They'll give up runs because yeah. Flynn is, you know, he's not going to be compared to Van Vliet defensively. Mm-hmm. So if he's scoring three points, but he's giving up four you know, how do you kind of weigh the the pros and cons of that? So I see the obvious, the benefits of having Flynn out there, as long as he's not getting shots down. And if he's not, which, you know, when he's not out there long enough for long stretches and, and like Alan was referring to, like his confidence dwindles. Like if you take him from this recent stretch and then all of a sudden everyone comes back, Van Van Vliet's back in the lineup and, and Flynn's averaging, you know, a handful of minutes a game. What does that do to his confidence? He's a guy that needs to have some sort of consistency in his basketball playing time. Otherwise he's going to be, you know, and I can't speak for him, of course, you know, moping on the bench. He's like, where's my role? Why, why, you know, Banton's going to be ahead of me as the, the primary backup point guard. I do see value in Flynn. But at the same time, I can also justify why Nurse does keep him on a short leash because when his shots aren't dropping, what is he really bringing to the table? Yeah, great, great point. Um, you know, and I think uh, I'm going to go to you quickly, Alan. I just want to say I feel like that's, yeah, that's sort of I, where I'm stuck is kind of like this chicken and egg. Like I feel like we are going to lose some of those minutes and probably lose some games if we're going to uh, trust Flynn and and Banton to, to do some stuff because I think, you know, I, I think you know, I've never heard it talked about in that way, but comparing either of those guys to Fred, maybe that's part of what's so difficult. Like both of those guys are so far away from having Fred's impact. Like they're, they're very far away. Um, but also, yeah, do they still have value? Uh, so, Alan, let's let's just go to you. Same same kind of quick question. And like, yeah, I mean, I'm using Flynn as an example, but mm. do you think that um like you know, some guys have proven themselves to maybe bring Fred's minutes away from thirty-seven and a half a game. Well, yeah, I, it's hard because yeah, you have that opportunity where yeah, if you put him out there, he's going to give up a lot of on the defensive end, and that kind of just kind of messes things up. But uh, there, I always see a lot of parallels between us and the Warriors. Uh, not like I don't want to be like like a lot of stuff where like our championship and how we kind of responded to it afterwards and having these two sets of rosters at the same time, like wanting to win games, but also wanting to to yeah. produce our young talent. And it's hard. It's tricky. You've seen players like Kaminga right now, not getting the minutes and opportunities out there to kind of prove themselves and grow as a player. And there are days where Steve Kerr will just like, okay, none of the starters are playing here. All the young guys do your thing. Young guys, get those touches, get those reps, get your confidence and all that different stuff. I don't know if we have the same luxury because we don't have Steph Curry. We don't have uh, Andrew Wiggins Hmm, and Clay Thompson on our team to like give up games like that. We don't have, we have to win now, you know, like that's kind of the mentality. And I don't think this Raptors franchise is going to be able to accept just giving up, um, I don't know, two, three games on the road when who's, who's to say we're going to win those in the back end later on in the season. We don't have the confidence in a star like that, or even like a squad like that to, to recoup those later on. So it's tricky. It's tricky. And I, I truly think all Malachi Flynn needs is confidence. Cause like you see the games where he has like high intensity, where he's just like got a little chip on his shoulder and he's like, mm-hmm. he, he's like, Oh, you saw that one go in too, Nick. Huh? You saw this one go in too, Nick. Huh? You see that. And it's like this type of playing where he's like proving to himself, but also to like the coaching staff that he belongs out there and he does belong out there. It's just that basketball is a game of both offense and defense and production. Yeah. And if you can't consistently do that, you're not going to see those minutes. And if we were the Raptors of old where, yeah, we could lose these games with Omar cook out there by all means, put that guy <laughs> out there, but we're a competitive team and we want to win. And this franchise has got a taste for winning. So it's hard. Yeah. Well, well said. And I think, um, I haven't talked about it in a long time, but you know, I, I do really appreciate under the Messiah era how much this team has been. You know, you, you talk about the Warriors, but I also think about the Spurs. Like, there's, there's, you know, we're trying to do two things at the same time. We're trying to win and we're trying to develop. 
And I think sometimes uh, that line gets blurred and it's, it's difficult to navigate. Right. Hmm. Um, but let's, uh, let's bring in, uh, let's bring in Maddie D. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do our silly question. Uh, number two, uh, it's going to be our number, uh, our second question of the day. And, uh, um, I, I don't know the exact publication, but I saw that Herbie Coon voice, uh, in arena voice of the Raptors. Um, you might, uh, if you've been to a game, you might, if you hear like, you know, Jose Calderon Parados or, uh, you know, um, Fred Van Vliet sh- shooting too. Um, that's, that's the Herbie Coon special. Um, and you know, he, uh, yeah, he's getting honored for, uh, for his work and it, uh, it kind of made me think about like, okay, wait a second. If we, if we got to fly in there, you know, we're not going to cost Herbie his job, right? This is an (laughs) experimental day. Um, Maybe it's an OVO day and they're like, Herbie, you can try anything you've never tried before. And we're the devil in his ear. I want to know what, uh, what we're bringing to the table for the fans uh, in, in arena. What are you telling Herbie to do uh, that, that maybe could be part of his, his repertoire going forward? Maddie, let's let's start with you. Let's kick it off. Uh, I'm hoping snowblower. Uh, <laughs> well, this got me thinking. You know, the first thought I had was I would really like him to incorporate some of my stings. Sure. You know, like <laughs> when when there's an injury on the court and someone's sitting on the court and they're like grabbing their ankle or something. I want a paging Bobby Webster. I want a paging. I want it to be like ringing like a siren through the arena because we know Bobby's got to do something. But I also thought I don't know if I'd want this every game. But when we started this podcast or when I jumped on board, my first stings and I. I ripped so many of them were NBA jam stings. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like I'd like a, like it, we must be coming up on an anniversary of that, that game as well. So if he could like kind of call one of the games with the stings as it's going on, I think it would be hilarious. Just like I, and I got a few here that, that I threw on the mixer, just like a, he's heating up. You know, or uh, oh, yeah. wow, that just took me back to my childhood. <laughs> and the doctor just told him to turn his head and cough. <laughs> Whoa, that's a weird one. I know that's a weird one. <laughs> this one's one. a bit weird too. Drops it through the pantyhose for two. I mean nylon for two. <laughs> Is that a real? One? That's real. Yeah. Oh my God, Is that weird? <laughs> and then the classic boom shakalaka. You know, just yeah. uh, right. throwing throwing that stuff. But I think it'd be fun to see a game. Yeah, maybe we'll have to see which one of these are canceled. <laughs> I think a few. That's that's 30 years ago. So, you know, 1993. Fair enough, I guess. Um, uh, Maddie, um, I love so much that you're like, what am I going to tell Herbie to do? I'm just going to insert myself. And I'm my mixer. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I just picturing you like, like putting it on the, putting it on the, uh, the scores table. And I was like, there's not room for this. Uh, and, and like, I need five extension. Cords. Um, uh, I mean, I would, yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, Bobby Messiah, I know you listen to this podcast. Um, first of all, um, Good point too, uh, Bobby. When someone gets injured, I want you out there. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know it's not your job at all, but uh, I want you to push Sir Alex McKechnie out of the way and tend to whoever's injury. Um, okay, let's go. Let's go to you next, Alan. Uh, how are you? Uh, you know, how are you helping Herbie? Uh, how are you inserting yourself? All right, uh, I think uh, the Raptors are, uh, is the most diverse fan group. Out of all sports, I think that we can all agree that. Mm-hmm. So I'm ready to add more to the big tent. All right. I'm not a big astrology person, sure. but when he does the whole lineup of the players, you should put their star signs. So like six four coming out of like Tennessee and also a Sagittarius. <laughs> yeah, like I want to hear a bunch of that. Sure. Whatever this, whatever this stuff is, the moon charts, signs, whatever. And if they're like the players missing shots a bunch, like Mercury's in retrograde. Like, I want to hear <laughs> things like that to explain why the basketball gods are not giving us the bounce that we need. So just incorporating more astrology. I feel like the astrology, astrology. will start coming out to the games. <laughs> Uh, and they'll support the team. Therefore, uh, you know, it's good for everybody. It's good for business. Uh, I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> let's bring in more fans. Let's bring in some <laughs> astrology stuff. Um, you know, they could even do some of that, uh, 
you know, like they could even like, you know, one player gets a, like a quick horoscope. It's a little um, bit, it's a little reading before the game. <laughs> yeah. Quick little reading. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, Herbie, um, I'm sure you're also listening to the pod. So uh, think about it. Um, <laughs> Chris, uh, what's your, what's, what's your Herbie plan? How are you going to help him out? We talked about this before. I'm like, how do you tell a guy who's been doing this since day one how to be <laughs> yeah. better at his job? But honestly, I'm a man of basic tastes. I'm like the guy who goes to the bar, wants to be around like the hardcores and just like swear up a storm. So just Ooh. once. And I, this goes for any PA announcer in the NBA. I just want them to have like a genuine reaction to something where they just swear. Like someone falls to the floor and is holding their knee and they're like, yeah, you can swear like, on the oh, podcast. Dude. All right, Pascal, Pascal Siakam's out. Fuck, it's, the, it's probably out for two to three weeks or something. Or like, holy shit, what a slam dunk! I know you're going to offend a lot of the children and the mothers and <laughs> yes. some of the fathers yes. in the crowd, but it's worth it. That's what I love about PA announcers. I just want like a genuine, like if if you were on Twitter, for example. Like some of my tweets are just bullshit because I just say like, holy shit, like Scotty Barnes just like murdered a guy. Yeah, yeah. I want Herbie Coon to say that. And I know this because like he's like genuinely like one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Hearing him swear would just yeah, make be, it would be amazing. Um, OK, so I have to think of one on the fly because, Chris, that is also mine. Um, <laughs> I swear to God, I, I, I great minds, man. It would be so fun to me if he, he'd be like earmuffs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Holy shit! That was bad. <laughs> like because honestly, people would go wild. Or if he's just like Christ, Pascal, <laughs> um, oh, deeply religious Herbie Coon using the yeah. Word. I don't okay, think say that. See it. Let's. He see would say it. Yeah. fuck before the Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So my on the fly is uh, if I could add something to. Uh, his repertoire, uh, I would say he should be allowed to call out um, empty sections in in the grace uh, in the below the 100s. He should be able to be like, uh, you know, whatever, like, uh, let's go Raptors. Hey, where are all the people in the grays? Hurry up. Uh, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, come back for the third quarter. We don't want uh, to go on a. a uh, we don't want the other team to go on a run and we blame you personally. And then like he could escalate, you know, and be like, hey, oh. you know, these seats are empty. I don't know why, um, you know, really like really invoke some, uh, some, uh, I don't know, some aggravating energy there. I think that that's a solid idea. I, I agree. I, uh, that lower bowl. And also I think maybe calling out some people for not yelling defense. Be like, I'm looking at you right now. Yell <laughs> defense. Go. Just like, Kind of yeah. pressure, put the little fire into them to make sure that they're chanting defense or a let's go Raptors or something like that. Yeah, let Herbie Coon call out people. Yeah, may, may, maybe like let the like you know let uh you know him call a couple shots with the with, with the with the big screen. Like he yeah. can focus on and be like, I need you to focus on this section. They're being so quiet. Everyone's dressed so nice. They don't understand. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Also, also, I have to say, uh, shout out to the uh, four brimmed hat crew right now. I'm loving this. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. indoor brims. Let's do it. Let's make it a indoor thing. Indoor brims on November day. Um, sorry, everybody. keep that artificial light out of our faces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Right? laughs> okay, let's uh, let's talk some NBA. Um, Maddie, thank you very much. Uh, I'm gonna get you to do your very best, weirdest weird owl NBA sting. This is Adam Silverhawk. All Weird Al all the time, baby. All right, here we go. Um, let's uh, let's start with you, uh, Alan, on this one. Um, yeah, just, you know, whichever way you want to take this is, is totally fine. But what is the biggest uh, NBA storyline that uh, no one is talking about right now? Um, I think people are starting to talk about Sacramento and the beam. I think that was a the lot of fun. fun. I'm yeah. totally on board. But uh, the one secret weapon that NBA Twitter has been loving is the unleashing of Bull Bull. All right. I am so happy yeah. for him to finally go out there and play a couple minutes and get a couple points here and there because I always root 
for the seven foot nine, whatever uh, player out there that looks like a video game just <laughs> on the court that's dribbling the ball and like just like a newborn giraffe on the court with their just little gangly legs just out there just trying their best. I love it. And I think he's been, well, you know, injuries have kind of sidelined him, but now he's getting an opportunity to kind of show off how nimble and agile he is. And uh, Orlando's a lot of fun to watch. You know, pa- Paolo is, you know, honestly, the, uh, the the rookie of the year. And uh, they have a really good kind of fun squad out there and a kind of reminiscent of uh, the Kings like two, two, three years ago. So uh, shout out to Bull Bull. Bull Bull is a very good one. Um, I'm also glad you brought up the beam. Uh, you know, not not every every time there's like a my voice just cracked hard there. Um, not not every time there's like a, a uh, what am I looking for? Um, uh, a sort of like specific fan base joke. Is it like actually funny and weird and like have that good combination of like like watching videos of Kings fans going insane when the beam is released yeah um to me is a big part of why sports can be so fun it's it's not the same but it does remind me of uh that amazing video when the knicks beat the celtics uh at the beginning of the year last year where it was just a bunch of like drunk people being like bing bong (laughs) like fuck you bing bong like that to me that's good shit like you know it's fun um, and yeah, unleash bull bull is, is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, we need to, yeah, now that, that, that needs to be a moment, like tune into Twitter, bull bulls getting unleashed. All hell's breaking loose. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I always have a sympathy for a franchise that like is going through the mud and then they finally have a shining beacon to look at, or, you know, whether it, it is a shining beacon of bull bull or it's a shiny beacon, a literal shiny beacon, like uh, Sacramento. It's just nice to see a franchise that didn't have a lot kind of going on, finally getting something to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's very true. And um, you know, you're, you're bang on. And like, that's also just fun. Like let's, you know, there's obviously, you know, I'm not against anything that's serious um, getting coverage or problematic or whatever. Um, But the fun stuff is important too. Uh, like, you know, staying silly. I'm I'm a big fan of staying silly. Uh, Chris, what's your, what's your kind of biggest uh, storyline that hasn't caught on yet or, or you, you feel like it's not getting the attention it deserves. Well, first of all, um, I looked at the NBA standings this morning and the Western conference is like a goddamn bloodbath. Uh, one yeah. game separating the one and the eighth seed in the in the West. And the first team no one really expected was the Utah Jazz. And I may touch on them a little bit later. But a team that I've kind of been gravitating towards, and, and it's more so because of one specific player, uh, Damian Lillard. Um, I'm really high on the Portland Trailblazers right now. Ten and seven, not exactly blowing away anybody in the West, but no one is because, like I said, one game separates the one and the eighth seed. But they're just kind of coming off like a good vibes team. And we always have these discussions every year about Lillard. You know, why isn't he demanding a trade from Portland? Why isn't Mm -hmm. he wanting to go to like a a bigger market where he can compete for a championship? But he's always been kind of staying true to himself, saying, I want to be a trailblazer. I want to win in Portland. And now one of his better teams in years with some pieces who have really stepped up, like a Jeremy Grant, for example, like a lot of people wrote him off. He's shooting the lights out and he's playing, you know, some of the best basketball of his career, Anthony Simons. Like they had three guys that were averaging over 20 points per game, which is rare in this NBA. And then obviously Nurkic is still playing his role as the big man. I just like that that Lillard, you know, is feeling good about his chances. I may regret this, you know, a few <laughs> months down the road when Portland maybe, you know, falls off and these conversations about Lillard come up again. But just the way this team is on, has been assembled, it kind of reminds me of like what the Raptors are doing, like with these lanky forwards that could play multiple positions. Portland's really excelling on that front. And Lillard, you know, is at the forefront of that success, although he has been missing time due to injuries. I really like what Portland is doing. Like what the Utah Jazz are doing. I mean, some of these under radar teams like Oklahoma City, they're seven and ten, but that's honestly better than I envisioned for them. Mm-hmm. A lot of these like lower tier teams that a lot of people kind of predicted would be in the Wembenyama sweepstakes are having really strong starts of the season. So it, it I have no clue who's gonna be at the bottom of the ladder come, you know, draft lottery time. But right now, specifically Portland, I'm kind of enjoying the run that they're on. And I do I am optimistic about their chances, you know come March, April, May. Yeah. I think Portland's a really good one too. And, 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 you know, back to kind of like Alan's like, 
you know, talking about uh, Bull Bull and like fun vibes, like the the whole Portland kind of like the way that they've been like ending games and like mobbing. I mean, I guess Memphis as well, but you know, this this idea like the camaraderie clearly is there. Like that is a group uh, of guys that is having a, a fun time, and I think that you know, in my experience as an NBA fan, it's rare that that doesn't translate to winning. Um, so. I mean, and, and Dame's always been that kind of guy. And I also, like, yeah, I feel like you, you brought up a, a bunch of good points because, you know, Beal, Dame, they're, they're these guys who kind of get this, uh, you know, when are you going to request a trade? It's weird because, like, okay, like, uh, scrambled, uh, my head's a bit scrambled here, but, like, to two different points I'm making at the same time is, like, you know, as fans, we, we get frustrated when uh, a star requests a trade. And you have these two guys like Beal and, and Dame who, who are really sticking it out with these franchises that you assume they would request a trade from. And I've always appreciated that, you know, neither has as, as like pushed that. And it's, it's cool to me that they haven't. And, you know, in that sense, like I hope for their success. Um, but yeah, uh, trailblazers are really fun. Uh, I love that as a, as a pick here. Um, Mine is um, sorry. The last point I want to uh, jump on there, Chris, is that uh, at the beginning of the year, I kept saying to to people like, I have no idea what it looks like when the Pacers, the Jazz, and the Spurs tank because I, I've never seen that in my you know NBA fandom, and I think what we're seeing. Uh, you know, I think the Spurs are being like, no, no, we're tanking, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think we're seeing the Jazz and the Pacers like. They're, they're, the structure is is a bit too good. Like they don't, they're like they have a foundation that's and a culture that's stronger. Um, and and you know I'm sure they'll gut their team so that they do worse. But uh, yeah, early on, you know, you have some, you have the Pistons, you have the Rockets. But I think the Wembenyama sweepstakes uh, are not quite as aggressive as people assume they would be. Uh, again, a lot of the season to go. We'll see who gets injured, and you know that will impact things. Um, you know, plus new teams like perhaps uh, you know uh, the Hornets, sort of thing. But yeah, and I just um, want to jump off that point as well. Yeah. Like organizations choose to tank. Players don't tank. Yes. Players take pride in what they do on a basketball court. And yeah. if you, even if you're putting out like second, third tier guys, they're going to play their butts off because again, some of these like seldom used guys, this may be one of the few opportunities that they get yeah. to play. So if coaches or organizations start actively trying to tank, some of these guys might excel in, in more of a larger role. And that's why we're seeing like these, these Utah's and these Indiana's and Washington's like, yeah. you know, these not exactly with like superstar level, like cores, but they have like maybe one or two guys, like all-star talented players. And then they have a bunch of reserves kind of backing them up and saying, you know what, let's make the most of it. You know, we're, we're not trying to get a Victor Wembenyama or a Scoot or what have you. Like we want to win basketball games. And that's what I'm kind of enjoying about this NBA season is kind of like a lot of these teams aren't being complacent. They're just like, let's go out there. Let's make the most of it. If, you know, and again, I, I reserve the right to change my mind on this is like we get into the new year and all of a sudden, you know, they realize, you know, maybe we are going to be falling below 500. Maybe we should just kind of go mm-hmm. all in. But at the same time, like I said, players don't tank. It's the teams that are choosing to do these kinds of, you know, losing skids to get higher picks. That's yeah. a, that's a great point. Sorry, you got some, Alan? No, yeah, I I, I agree. I feel like, one thing I, I felt like with this NBA season is like, it's been like a turning shift. Like I feel like these young guys are now activated and like the old guards, like no one's afraid of them. No one's afraid of LeBron. No one's afraid of the warriors, like warriors coming off a championship. I feel like a lot of teams just have that game circled. They're like, Oh, this is our time to be on the national stage. Guess what? We're going to show you. We're going to punch you right in the mm-hmm. mouth. And you know, we saw that with Sacramento with, um, with the, with the Brooklyn nets, like they come out there and they, and they, then they want to win. And to that point of just uh, a bunch of uh, role players, like when you look at what happened in Utah, those are just like a bunch of pieces that were just kind of put together that individually aren't necessarily the greatest players, but when you put them together, a bunch of role players with uh, no specific person who needs that many touches, you're just kind of having the only um, uh, idea that the ball has to do. Like there's no, um, what am I trying to say? Like there's no, like it doesn't have to go flow through one single person. The, the mm-hmm. whole idea is the ball has to just go in the net in 24 seconds. That's all it is. And they all just buy into that and believe in that. And it's working. It's working. And I think with, especially with this new NBA with more shots and more um, 
uh, attack, uh, field goals. Uh, teams like that are going to experience a lot of different success during the NBA season. Now, is this going to be something that's going to be successful when it comes down to playoff basketball? And it's just like, we just need one person to get a bucket. Who's to say? But it's worked so well in the, in the regular season and enough that it's going to keep away some of these like bigger name teams, the Lakers and Brooklyn, from even getting into a play-in because uh, Atlanta really wanted to play well or Utah really wanted to play well for a lot of times. Like It's going to knock a lot of these teams out there, but it's really good uh, regular season basketball. And I'm happy a lot of these players are being activated and feeling more confident in themselves. Yeah, great, great points. And, you know, I I think the last thing you said, you know, really just uh, really connected with me. This is really good regular season basketball. And, you know, the, the for so many years, there's been a lot of talk about the regular season as just this sort of like, uh, you know, kind of like thing that we all have to go through and not enjoy. And, uh, you know, I feel like so far anyways, um, it's been it's been really enjoyable. And, you know, this isn't so much connected to the Wembenyama thing, um, but, uh, you know, since the Warriors-Raptors title, or finals rather, um, you know, I joked a million times that I felt like the Raptors, uh, uh, you know, it's the same time as the ending of Game of Thrones. I feel like we kind of broke the wheel of that, that era of the super team and, um, you know, ushered in an era of parody. And I think uh, not only is has a, there been so much parity since no two teams have have showed up in the finals. Uh, no, like you know, since that uh, like the Warriors came back like many years later, but like no teams in a row. And if we do, I think one more year of two different teams, it's going to tie uh, a stretch in the seventies uh, as as the as the time when there's been the most parity in the NBA. And and to further that point, I was just looking at. Um, the uh, like the NBA, uh, you know, point differential. And uh, again, I can't really, I'm not that much of a stats head, so I, I don't have a, an exact memory, but I feel like there's always one, two, maybe three teams that have a, uh, a win differential. That's like over 10 or around nine. And currently the highest teams uh, is Cleveland with 7.4 uh, and the Suns with 7.2. So th- there isn't a team that's like wrecking the league. And I, I think that's going to be the case for the whole year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's all um, it all works together. Like you're saying, Alan, possessions, um, young players showing up like there's so many different factors. But, uh, yeah, it should be fun to watch. Let's um, let's go to you, Chris, on this last question. Uh, and um, I think we're all excited to watch. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not for the Raptors, but uh Watch Utah Watanabe uh, just kill it uh, for uh, speaking of role players stepping up um, for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, it's really funny. It's the highest three point percentage uh, in the league. I feel like I read somewhere in the league history. Maybe that's wrong. That seems not possible, but I mean, maybe this. Um, and yeah, it just got me thinking. What kind of what change of scenery guy do you feel like has had the most success so far uh, this season? Well, there's a, there are a couple of ways you can go this and they're probably going to be kind of connected with each other. We were talking earlier about obviously like some of the biggest storylines in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything comes close to the Utah Jazz. Yes. Currently yes. first in the Western Conference, a team that literally b- blew it up. They imploded. They got rid of their two main pieces, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And a lot of people just kind of sold them like, you know what? This is a team that is actively trying to get that number one pick in the draft. <laughs> Lo and behold, here we are in, you know, late November and they literally have the best record in the Western Conference where it should probably be the complete opposite looking at their roster. So I'm looking at a guy that they got in that Donovan Mitchell trade. Laurie Markkinen has Mm -hmm. been playing at an all star level. If the voting was started today, Laurie Markkinen would hands down easily, no question, be on that roster. And this is a guy who's been playing a lot of the three. For the Utah Jazz, he was primarily a four in Chicago. He was playing next to Wendell Carter and whatnot. But he's putting up some of the best true shooting percentages of his career. His offense, it, it's still kind of limited. He, he struggles to create his own shot. But when you're shooting that well, who cares? You know, whether he's cutting or he's just, you know, spotting up for jumpers, he's putting it in the hoop. And he's making Utah look probably a lot better than they really should be. But at the same time, it, it kind of gives me pride because these are the kinds of stories that I gravitate to. A team that a lot of people, you know, we were just saying, like, organizations tank. It's not players. Mm-hmm. Lori Markin and company 
is a prime example of players who just take way too much pride in their game. And now they're in an environment where they can kind of elevate their rules. This is the biggest rule, clearly, of Markkanen's career. And he's taking the ball and running with it. And it's show it's evident in the standings. And, you know, there's probably a lot of players, uh, other players, you know, thriving in other roles. And I'm sure Alan will mention it as well. But Laurie Markkanen, the best player on the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I I think you know I I thought someone was gonna bring up a, a oh. entire Utah Jazz, but I think he exemplifies uh, the guy who's changed sceneries. Uh, uh, oh, you you, in, you froze a bit in, there. Bit of a freeze. Am, am I back now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Okay, yeah, I know. Uh, basically, just saying, I think uh, the Jazz themselves could be an answer, but Markkinen really exemplifies like the guy, you know, embodying that the most. Um, Alan, who's your change of scenery guy? Uh, it, mine was Markkinen. I definitely think going from like what 14 points a game to about 22, he is an all star and also an MIP candidate. Um, well, then I, I, I'll, I'll pick the inverse, I'll pick the player that they traded for. I know it's only a, a slight nice. bump in what, uh, in production as far as points, but uh, Donovan Mitchell looks alive and what Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, they started out very hot and kind of slowed down a little bit as a uh, kind of things kind of figured themselves out. But one of the few teams to give Boston Celtics a run for their money uh, and just seeing him come in late games, just take over. And I'll be honest, I, I, I had to pull out the, the shack. I had to apologize. Uh, me, because ah. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I've been <laughs> preaching the Devin Booker over Donovan Mitchell, uh, comparisons for a long time i've been i've been boosting my boy booker for years and seeing booker kind of get his uh his shine for a little bit and now seeing donovan mitchell kind of uh, rise up to that kind of um that fame and stardom it's it's, it's great it's great to see uh, I, I have another sneaky one i guess just because i'm i'm kind sure of yeah last ones uh, d- technically it doesn't necessarily count but uh sabonis just because of uh, i only played about 15 games last year yeah yeah for sure with yeah. uh sacramento and kind of seeing him get um you know similar amount of production but I think he's averaging way more uh, chess beats per game uh, as the team rolls on chess and wins games. Game. Yeah, well, he's he is he's feeling himself out there, and it's a really good kind of squad. And back to the idea of a, a, a group of players that actually enjoy playing basketball with each other, um, we're seeing it a lot with him. And it's it's like not even he has to, to take over as far as points. It's just kind of the way the ball kind of uh, runs between him uh, and Fox and all those guys and a player that Masai drafted, but I don't want to talk about. Um, so it's, it's good to see the, you know, him in an opportunity to win and because yeah, he's a star and his dad taught him well. Um, great selection. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, Mitchell was my guy. Uh, I was thinking about guys on the jazz uh, I also thought about Jeremy Grant, who, you know, doesn't have the best stats of his career, but he's part of this like really uh, awesome situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, for a guy that's bounced around from Philly to Denver to Detroit, uh, now to Portland, um, he doesn't, you know, strike me as someone who has like necessarily, like, he hasn't been a part of, uh, like, he hasn't been a problem. You know what I mean? He's sort of been a guy that's just, uh, been an asset that somebody wants at one time or the next and kind of move, like, you know, been traded. Um, so yeah, Jeremy Grant was the guy, but then I thought, uh, you know, this is an opportunity to kind of, uh, call myself out a little bit because there's one organization was a couple, but there's one really that anytime they do anything, I just mock it openly because I feel like they can't do anything right ever. Uh, and that's the New York Knicks. Um, and uh, I didn't think he was going to be bad or anything, but I just thought, you know, there was a bit too much hype. And I think Jalen Brunson has really, uh, he's really went to the Knicks and he's, you know, he's taking the extra opportunities. He's taking the minutes. He hasn't been as efficient, but you know, he's putting up 20 a game and, um, yeah, I mean, I remember watching him with Dallas last year, uh, sort of thriving, you know, with and without Luca, thinking, you know, you know, he was profiting kind of from the orbit, and I feel like he's he's proven that in, in a different context. Uh, you know, he's he's even better this year. So uh, my guy's Jalen Brunson, but you know, my actual pick is uh, is Mitchell. Yeah. But uh, guys, uh, that that takes us to the end of the pod here. Um, I want to thank you both so much for joining, being on. Uh, I'm going to bring Maddie D in here uh, just to, you know, plug some of the important stuff here at the end. But first, let's go to you, Chris. Um, yeah. What do you have going on? What do you feel like you want to plug? 
Um, obviously, we'll uh, you know put your socials in there. But um, yeah, you know, well, what do you want to let people know? Uh, first of all, thank you guys for inviting me back on your podcast. I'm, I'm honestly like always truly honored to to be invited on any podcast, especially one as distinguished as yours. And I love you guys. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is great. So thank you Thanks, very man. much. Um, follow me on Twitter as long as it's around. Yeah. Walder Sports. <laughs> um, you know, Instagram at Walder Sports, uh, Hive or whatever social media platform emerges. I'm sure I'll be there in some way, shape or form. Uh, my podcast, the Walder Sports cast will be returning in the new year. I'm getting married in a couple Hey. Weeks, so that's nice. kind of my priority right now. Yeah. Uh, heading yeah. over to uh, Disney World uh, on the 2nd of December. So uh, looking oh, forward to that, obviously, having a good time. And then, um, yeah, again, just hit me up on social media while you can and, and until Elon Musk kind of destroys everything. So <laughs> see you on the yeah. Twitter sphere. Amazing. Uh, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Um, and, um, you know, congratulations as well. Thank you. Um, uh, Alan, what's up? What do you want to let people know? Uh, what do you want to promote? Uh, uh, if you're getting married as well. Cheers. Well, yes, I'm actually getting double married uh, at double <laughs> Disneyland. So it's too oh, long. This guy's oh, no. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, make sure to just watch the Great Canadian Baking Show. I know the season finale just uh, aired. Go watch it on CBC and CBC Gem. Uh, also, we have a holiday episode coming up next week. So I'll watch that too as well. On the personal note, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at the Alan Shane, uh, Alan Shane on Instagram, Alan Shane Lewis on Hive. Uh, I finally got my the Alan Shane Lewis uh, <laughs> username. Take that, Alan Shane Lewis, who's the pianist uh, who doesn't post anything from 2015. Uh, <laughs> everywhere I go, that guy's there just holding it up. Uh, so page. good at the piano. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, and also, yeah, the extremely mid-range uh, show that's every two weeks. The next episode is November 30th. Um, so come watch that. Same kind of thing. It's a comedy basketball show. We do different things. Last time we played Quiplash and some NBA prompts. So uh, check it out. And uh, if you're going to be at the Raptors-Mavs game, I'm going to be there talking to people. So uh, show up and uh, say what's up. Amazing. that The last time you did that was incredible. Um, yeah. You yeah. get some good reactions from people and it's fun seeing like, you know, some fans, you're like, oh man, yeah, this person's like, they know what they're talking about. And then some fans are just like, LeBron, worst player who ever lived. <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like, oh man, this, <laughs> runs, <laughs> this runs the gamut. Uh, uh, let me throw to my amazing producer, uh, Maddie D, my Maddie D. Uh, tell the folks what's up, uh, you know, what they need to know about our pod and um you know, Raptors Republic and everything good. Right, yeah. Go to raptorsrepublic.com. You can listen to our podcast there as well as uh, to dunkspodcast.com. That's our own website. And on all the podcatchers, if you're on YouTube and you saw the couple of clips that we put up, you can listen to the full episode on the podcatchers as well. Make sure that you, in whatever way you're you're taking this in, click on the guest names and they will take you to their socials so you can follow them. And the paywall is up for the editorial content. We are still pushing that hard. Six bucks a month for Raptors Republic paywall. Please support. These guys put a lot of work into their writing. And the only other thing I'll say is that the live event that was supposed to happen on the 29th has been canceled. So it will be rescheduled in the new year, apparently. And if you paid, you'll get your money back soon. Amazing. Thank you, Matty D., uh greatest greatest person on earth um and yeah uh thank you guys for listening thanks for everyone for for supporting um i went and saw a music show uh i'm so old now i went and saw a music show um, <laughs> but uh yeah a bunch of people came up to me about the pod so uh yeah that that felt great uh shout out to megan um but uh yeah we we are done we're good to go please maddie if you feel like we're all wrapped up just give me those sweet words I love so much. Okay. Okay. Listen to full episodes of the Confederacy of Dunks only on the Rapcast. 